モーニングプロジェクトプレゼンツ Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Generic Video Game Podcast. Overwatch isn't the only thing celebrating an anniversary this month. While Blizzard's FPS baby turns one, GVGP turns three. We're a mere 432 hours that separates us from the chaos of E3, which may not be able to top the fanfare garnered from Twintel's buns. Molly and I would like to thank our listeners for sticking with us all this time, and we hope you enjoy the chatter about to ensue on episode 28. There's a lot to unpack in that intro.、Um, like,、uh, how's it been three years already? Can you believe it? I had to double check that because I couldn't、That's、remember、like、if、scary. it was two or three. Three years. Like, I have no concept of how it's been that long. Yeah. But I mean, it, it is funny because, like, I had to fix something about the.、Uh, The radio.morningproject.com recently. And、mm-hmm. when looking on it, it's just like going back to the early episodes, like, oh my God, like those were that date. Like it's been like that long ago. And、yeah. then looking at like,、uh, like warning, I mean, because God, warning, we started in 2010. Or no, yeah, was it nine? Yeah, I think that's right. I think it was first slash second quarter 2010 because Double Plus started about three months after. Because I think, I think it was because I think what happened was. Uh, end of 2009 was when play went under. So I was out of work. And I think at that point, Nick hadn't started his new job yet. So like, he was out of work. And I think Casey was just doing freelancing. So I think that was that point where like, all three of us had like, really nothing to do. So we were like, hey, let's start a podcast. So yeah, I think it's been, God, like seven years since that. Hey, can you believe that? It's crazy. I was actually thinking of Play Magazine. I know we always talk about magazines on the show, but you o k n we w always talk about Game Fan. But I was actually thinking of Play, and I'm like, you know, that's been, that's been like seven, eight years now, too. Yeah, it just got brought up on、uh, NeoGAF、uh, a little bit ago. People were asking. What were they saying、it. there? Oh, just、oh. kind of like, did anybody remember it? And they were kind of saying that it felt like the kind of,、uh, not necessarily rebirth, but another attempt. At like game fan, which I, I think, you know, I think in the kind of game fan esque revival attempts, I think play was like the closest to being right.、One. Right.、Um, so it was, it was like a short thread. It was just people kind of bringing it up. And then at one point, talking about Sonic 2006, as people will always do forever and ever. Actually, I do have some. I'm glad you brought that up because sometimes coming into the show, you know, we take notes and we kind of see where our conversation leads. But I'm glad you mentioned that because、uh, the angry video game nerd did a,、uh, an AVGN episode recently.、Um, he doesn't do them as often as he used to, but he updates the Cinemassacre YouTube channel regularly. He actually did a big update yesterday discussing current projects, the, the method behind it.、Uh, Monday's Let's Play, Tuesday's Movie, or Tuesday's.、Uh, I can't remember what it was. Friday's the movie review, whatever. There's like three parts to it. But anyway, AVGN was brought up and he's like, hey, he still does it. And the reason I'm giving all this background information is one of the recent episodes he finally got around to playing due to fan suggestion and doing a、uh, video review of Sonic 06. Oh, wow. And that's the first time I really, like, look, I remember all the hoopla back in the day. I remember Dave Halverson's take on it. And,、um, but to actually. Watch it being played a bit, like firsthand. Wow. I mean, 
Look, there have been some reviews over the years that, and look, it's every, it's an opinion, whatever. But like, there's been some things where I can see, like, hey, this kind of got a low score, but it didn't deserve it. And there's, you know, these, there's this type of substance or merit here which can justify it from this perspective. But wow, I am telling you, it was. And I know for the show and the character and the shtick, you know, some of that may be a little bit, you know turned up mm-hmm. so to speak right right but god it was rough like <laughs> it was so bad like i don't know how just everything from like incongruencies or inconsistencies in the cinematics to the real life people surrounding like before you even get into the game and then having to restart all the way back pre-cinematic if you die before a certain point the low times that it i mean the list just went on and on it was like so terrible terrible were have you seen much of that game firsthand or what what like when that review let me okay so this might be a good story so when that came out and that review came out now i'm assuming during the play days like i know game fan had an office and people met up and you know that was in the 90s but with play magazine i'm assuming it might have been more spread out or there wasn't maybe like yeah because i mean i lived i mean uh i worked from home home being nebraska at the time um for 2005 until 2008 oh wow so i wasn't even in the office like when that happened um and then i was only around for basically a year before the magazine went under and we did have an office it was only that little in in terms of my being actually out in california where the office was okay 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 um and there was an office but it was like i mean like dave had a big office but like he was even barely ever in there Wow. There was a we had a receptionist and we had uh, Dave's wife Julie because she handled like business stuff was in mm-hmm. there. I don't think like every day, but like on a regular basis. And then there was a guy named Daniel who he did ads and then some other stuff like other kind of like officey kind of things. And that was really like the only staff that was in the office. Um, but then like I'd say about half of the writing staff was local. Because Heather was local, Brady was local, I was local. Um, Mike Hobbs was local, but he did the layouts. He didn't do writing. But then, like, Greg Orlando, Mike Griffin, Nick, and Casey, they were all in different cities. Mm. So I want to say about half of the staff was actually here and half wasn't. Well, was there kind of chatter amongst the workers behind the scenes after that you know it's funny but like i i really like didn't like sonic didn't register to me i'm trying to think of when that review Mm -hmm. came out well and the only reason i'm sure you know the only reason to make a point of this is because no matter where one stood i mean it was so brutally like bad i couldn't i couldn't believe it well i mean because the thing is okay so was i don't think this was the issue um that might have been when I was there, but it's funny because I was just thinking about it. Because and you, and you're talking about like having never played it and being curious about what it was actually like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the game that came to mind for me was uh, Golden Axe Beast Rider. Yeah, and that's the other big one too. And I I think I'd seen some footage, but like it'd be shocking if it was worse than what I saw. Because I, I I legitimately do want to try that and see it someday and see what it was like. But like I remember that way more because I remember when Dave wrote up that big thing defending Golden Axe yeah, yeah. and saying like, wow, the rest of the press was wrong. Cause I remember I, I had to specifically put that up and then I 
got to see the backlash when that went up and they were getting, you know, responses were coming out. So I remember, I feel like I remember that and then uh, Casey's Lair review more than actually Sonic 06 until like kind of after that happened. What was up with Casey's Lair review? I mean, he gave it like a nine. Wow. And that game got just trashed. Yeah, I do. Wow. Um, Poof. I don't remember. Boy, I have to go back because I have pretty much. I think I have every issue except two of them. It's funny that I'll Dave Dave gave Sonic an eight point five on Xbox and then a five point five well, on okay. PlayStation. Well, oh, I only know this, and I didn't mean to cut you off. I might have cut the sound out. That's my fault. I only know this because I went back on it to refresh my memory. So what happened was, is he gave it a certain score the first month, and then the next month he took a point away because he said something like there were certain things he was promised were going to yeah, be fixed. Yeah, but that's but this is eight point five and five point five. It's a big difference. Oh, well, maybe I read something different. That's why I'm like, that's why, no, because I remember that. I remember kind of like that kind of thing. But, um, yes, this would have been, this would have been like mid to late 2006. So I would definitely was with play. It's just. Yeah. um, Yeah, because the PS3 version didn't come out until January next year. So that's maybe, maybe in that time he changed his mind on what score to give it. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it's, it's funny. To, I didn't know we were going to go down this avenue, but yeah, I just watched that episode. And uh, um, well, speaking speaking of magazines, mm-hmm. there's a topic I want to bring up before we okay. get to the game stuff. Okay, that uh, actually we're we're revisiting because we've talked about this before on the show, uh, and I don't even know if you know this or not. So it'd be interesting if you don't. But uh, speaking also speaking of anniversaries, we are at the one year anniversary of Playboy magazine deciding to drop nudity. And are you aware that on this one-year anniversary, they brought nudity back? Yes, I'd forgotten that I'd read that a few weeks ago. Like, I totally spaced it, but you've jogged my memory, and I remember seeing a snippet on that and laughing because after one year, they've decided to go back to that. Yeah, um, so it, it lasted a year, and then they decided to change their mind. I, so I did look at the new issue, um, and what's interesting too is because it's it's now bi-monthly. Okay. But because of that, they've expanded the size of every issue. Oh, okay. So this last one, I've got a PDF here, was like 181 pages. Yeah, that's pretty darn big. So what's interesting is it actually has like like model wise, there's like five or six pictorials. Which is not usual for Playboy. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, but so it's it's what I found to be interesting, and and this is just my opinion, having browsed through it, was I kind of feel like the photography, like in terms of of quality level, really dropped in this issue. And I kind of am wondering: is is you know was that year of well, we can't do nudity? Did that force them to get more creative? and more interesting with their photography. Oh, mm-hmm. And then once they went back, did they kind of just be like, okay, we can just show girls naked so we don't need to worry about, like, photography level. Because they're really, like, I mean, like, I'm speaking on specifically just a photography level, you know, of, right. of, like, style and the way they shot things and the look and the colors and stuff. Like, it's it's just kind of boring. I hope. Hopefully, I don't bog down my system here. I don't like like to run too much stuff while I'm on the podcast. But I'm going to open up this digital magazine reader I have, which I haven't opened up in a while, legitimately. And I can't remember if I got 
what are we in right now? 20. Oh, it's been a while. Uh, no, I take that back. What's what are we in right now? We're in June. Yeah, so I don't have the yeah my. So thing this ended, this was so. yeah this was March April issue. Oh no, I do. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. So, Which, as far as I know, is, is the most recent. I could be wrong. Then there could be another more recent one. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there's another one. Yeah, out, and I'd be but curious yeah, to look I do, at it. But uh, I do have uh, access to this. It's it's in, it's just I, I just find that interesting. Like in terms of like magazine creation level, that when they did the no nudity rule, and I hate to say this because I, I kind of don't necessarily like this trend, but I I almost feel like they went kind of like the Instagram route. That makes sense, you know kind of colors and lighting and that kind of stylish a little bit retro kind of thing and yeah i'm look yeah keep going i'm sorry and now just like they feel really generic yeah um my well i was gonna i know this isn't the type of podcast we normally do uh since we're on this topic i'll and i don't want to sound like uh yeah, I have to watch my words because I don't I don't mind this type of thing sometimes. So I really have to be careful on what I say because this is in recording and forever. <laughs> but I just wish some of the girls are there, and sometimes it works. Like, so this isn't for everyone, but they got to stop getting stupid tattoos. Oh, is that is that your problem you know. with it? Oh. Well, <laughs> Um, send send, uh, send, your, one. send your angry letters to gvgp at morningproject.com <laughs> there's one here that's not uh, oh, there's one layout I like here but it's just like, I mean, this, like, is, but I like this is the, artsy this one okay the one that's kind of artsy it kind of has an old school look is uh, lazy Sundays but I would say uh, I don't know which one that offhand which one that is um, but yeah. it's really funny because and I don't know if this is going to be a trend or not in future issues but you go back to like the the near the back of the book and mm. oh is this the one you're talking about I don't know um, and they have like pictorials from like older years oh yeah I've, I've seen that t- yeah kind of like yeah. a look back and okay that's Lazy Sundays okay um, and I actually think like the the photography in those older pictures is way more interesting than like the the, the ones they have for, specifically for this issue. Oh yeah, I, I mean, and I'm guessing I have no, you know, who knows, but my guess is be, you know, you got to figure the magazine was much more popular. It was, you know, still print was still a a huge thing. There were more eyeballs on newsstands or people wanting it in that capacity. So you got to figure that all kind of plays a role in. Yeah, and and, you know. and I say this is somebody who did not buy any of the well, I bought I bought one I think, but the first one for sure, maybe one more. Um, but I wasn't buying them, so I can't really talk too much. But this comes, you know, this for me is just like really interesting on a magazine level and a a decision making level and just kind of artistic level is you know why are they doing what they're doing? And it it does feel like they went back to like they tried this so to make things um, more artsy that's probably not the right word but let's make it more artsy while making it non-nude and people hated that and so this but it looked like it looked different i thought like it really kind of looked like a really interesting photography magazine that happened to focus on girls you know women uh but this feels like 
regular old nudie magazine. I'll say this. If if I was magically in charge, and I think I might have actually said this once before on the show because we had this discussion when the magazine first went non-nude, I would copy the format of the defunct Perfect Ten, but I would just do it with the the playmates no, that and was, that use was, some art. And but and I'd still it's so funny that like that had a connection to Game Fan Perfect Ten, um, but like. Yeah, I mean, that was a really interesting magazine in terms of what they did with it. Um, I don't know that that could survive for very long, especially in this era. Right. Like, I think that Playboy has to be much more content and much less naked girls because naked girls are so cheap to 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 obtain if that's what you really want. Yes, but there's the, you could also make the argument of quality over... Or ex- you know what, quality and exclusive content. Well, no, like but anything. then that's what I'm I saying think. is like I feel like the quality yeah. level dropped in this issue because it seems like well they're naked, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> hey, let me throw this kind of curveball since we can tie this to video games again to make this more relevant. What was the deal back in the day? Speaking of magazines, with tips and tricks. Oh, that, yeah, I mean, that was like a Larry Flint publication. Yeah, I remember seeing that like in the fine print and stuff, and I'm like, Could, is this really the same? Yeah, it is, and I feel like, um, God, I, I I know my current boss told me a story about this, and I've totally forgotten it now. Really? About what like, about about, what like was going why on Larry or, got uh, into it. No kidding. Yeah, and, and you know, what his, his reason for wanting to be in video game stuff was. But, yeah, that, that was a legitimate... You know, from the from the company who releases like Hustler and stuff like that. Wow, wow! It was an interesting magazine. It was, that was a really I would pick. I would pick it up magazine. nine times out of ten. I mean, and you know, and I used to have a bunch of issues, and I don't think I have any anymore. Because um, for those who don't know, there'd be like the bulk of the magazine would be cheat codes and stuff for various systems and formats, and then like maybe what thirty to forty pages tops. Could have been anything from previews, and it had kind of a heavy focus on arcade machines. Uh, would yeah. is that fair to say? Yeah. Uh, things of that nature, you know. Usually, a lot of fighting games made the cover of that publication over time. But yeah, no, it was it was but, interesting. That, like they, they they did have like enough of a smattering of like other content mm-hmm. to to say that they had that. You yeah. know, you know, it reminds me of in a way. I mean, like it reminds me a little bit of like Game on USA. I knew, how, yeah, I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> that was like you know you're coming to this for the manga. But then right. we'll like you know connect some game content to it. I mean, obviously, tips and tricks worked a lot better right. because the entire thing was was interest to the reader. But it was, I mean, it's you know that's another thing where it's like it's so hard to think about that now. Like you know, somebody buying a magazine of cheat codes. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, like younger people that would not make any sense to them. <laughs> like why don't you know why don't you go to Game Facts? And not even that, like, now GameFAQs is being, like, driven out by, like, just YouTube. Right. And I'll do that, too. Like, I'll I'll be like, okay, you know, Dark Souls 3, you know, Giganto Boss or whatever. And, like, kind of, like, watch the video for for that thing instead of going to a GameFAQ usually. I think one of the only Cheat Codes books I still have, do you remember the one that GameFan did? Megafan? No, they did. Do you remember there was an actual code book? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yes. I, I still have that one. I think that one I, I should actually look for it. I don't think, you know, because I put a lot of weird random photos up. I don't think I've ever taken a shot of that one. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I've got that somewhere. And yeah, got, I remember like, that being at an E3. I think I might have even mm-hmm. gotten my issue of that at E3. But, I don't remember uh, what it was called, though. Yeah, I'll, I'll after the show, I'll go find it. But, you know, speaking of this lavish type of lifestyle with Playboy Playmates, The Finer Life, Beverly Hills, sunny California, you need a lot of money to live that life, right? Yes, you do. And uh, while that's not a life I'm accustomed to, uh, there are a couple of, uh, I wouldn't say famous, infamous individuals in the gaming world who seem to kind of maybe live a lifestyle akin to that due to some of the high-priced products they sell. And out of nowhere in the last couple of weeks, popping up on Facebook, I saw the old-school Neo Geo freak sellers. Oh, really? Quite a list of stuff for sale. Oh, yeah. Good old D. I oh, mean, like, yeah. Dion. You, oh, yeah. Dion's you got name it. will be in my and head. Chris. With a Chris, right? Yeah. Chris and Dion, you're, you got it. And I follow their Facebook page, which, you know, maybe updates once a year. But recently, in the last 10 days, they put up, like, they put up at least 100 items that they said they bought from a collector. Oh, wow. And one of the things I put on my notes here, and I should have put more, they sold a hardcore edition. Now, let me clarify what I think hardcore is. I think that was the, quote, official American release of King of Fighters 2000, which at the time Neo Geo Freak had the exclusive distribution rights in the U.S. That's a whole other story. Yeah, the weird. weird Do you know how much they sold the copy they had of that for the last week? I'm gonna say eleven thousand dollars. Ooh, you're high. You, I mean, this amount is still crazy high, but you're high. Okay. I mean, th- that is so, over. okay. So now I would say uh, eight. Uh, no, let's let's do seven thousand four hundred. Seven grand. Oh, that's close. Can you believe it? And I was at work the other day. I was kind of bored. I took 10 minutes and I went through their list. And I might have been off a little bit because I was doing it quickly on a calculator. And I took all the product that they had listed and I added up all the numbers if they've sold it. And I'd say they had about 40 to 50% of it sold. So I'm sure they're going to go through this. Mm -hmm. The number I came up with on my calculator, if they sold all of that current posting, was just shy of $93,000. And then it got me think. I was then I was like, you know what? I used to know the story a lot better, and but I'd forgotten because it'd been so long. And I went, I looked up some old message. Like I went to neo-geo.com. I even got linked to uh, what is it, the Level Up forums, and I did a whole bunch of homework refreshing on the stories, and it was quite amazing. Um, allegedly, if the stories were to believe, I'm not even going to get into all the mudslinging and dirt, so to speak. But it was interesting to see how Dion and Chris, they weren't like an exclusive distributor at the time, but they were a go-to spot in the U.S. for a while. They started in 96, and for several years there would gain, you know, get Neo Geo AES cards particularly, and then like other outlets would go to them for some of their product, and they'd sell it off, and then they'd do individual phone calls and, and sell their product, yada, yada, yada. And I didn't see like all the receipts or, you know, can't 100% validate this, but it is said over the time, the amount that they've profited, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying this was illegal, it was just the way they did business and, you know, right. added up over time, was somewhere in the ballpark of $4 million. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Like- yeah, I didn't need, well, and like I said, I just, 
I, you know, just for this little inkling of posting they had, and you figured things aren't going gangbusters right now. Like, it was the first time in a while. I mean, I came up with a number. Now, mind you, they had to buy that inventory or get it somehow, so I don't know what they paid. But I came up with a hundred grand right there before taxes. But you got to figure if it was more at the height of it and before maybe their name wasn't, you know, if there wasn't all that back and forth. Yeah, I mean, I could totally believe that as well. They even, you know what? They even explained. I saw a listing because there was a court battle with SNK Playmore at the time, and then they listed what they had purchased at the time and it was like 5,000 AES cards a thousand of MVS or whatever and I and I looked at the math on that and I think they spent somewhere around a hundred thousand dollars to acquire whatever it is they acquired and then I was thinking I'm like well you know that's feasible that you could come up with a number that high because I saw some of the numbers of what they profited on just selling a chunk of it before we got into the rest of it right and I was like wow that's a hell of a deal but unfortunately and i don't want to speak out of line because i don't you know i don't want this coming back on us but you know then there were some accusations on certain things and i don't know how much of it was true or wasn't but if i understood what i read correctly it was kind of unfortunate because i I guess you know you get into the potential of greed or just wanting more and because it was kind of complicated like some carts they alleged were tampered with or they or certain things weren't what they said but at the same time there was a lot of stuff that was accurate and like, even if they just stuck to their guns and didn't go overboard, I mean, that was still a hell of a, uh, you know, a hell of an amount of money to bring in. I mean, could you, ima- could you imagine, like, the high, having the foresight or whatever at the time, if you had 50 to 100 grand to invest or got a couple people together, and then you knew in the end, like, in a couple years, you would turn 100 grand into a few million dollars off Neo Geo? I mean, that's, that's like, it's funny because I'm thinking about the fact that, like, that's, like, what Bitcoin's going through right now with, yeah, with I, how much I, those things are worth. Are you well-educated on that? I've done some homework on that as bit, well. Just a pen. little bit. Yeah. But, I mean, like, people who have not had experience with the Neo Geo market cannot even begin to understand how much insanity there is in it. Like, that has to be the just m- most crazy insane weird out there like game platform collector you know right. collection whatever you want to call it that has ever existed you know whatever other systems you're you're collecting for like you don't understand neo geo prices <laughs> i mean some of those games are ridiculous like and and the whole story of like neo geo freak and just everything went on with that and SNK period. And it was, I mean, if anybody's, you know, it's, it's funny now because I was just looking at like all the Neo Geo games on the Switch. And, you know, we're still getting them on, on PS4 and Xbox One and everything. Right, right. And like all those times those would come back out. And I would say, you know, there's a lot of times I kind of feel like there's there's some feeling of, you know, instead of buying the NES ROM on the virtual console, I want like the original cartridge, you know. Uh, or again, instead of getting this Genesis 120 and one, I want the original cartridge for those games. Um, don't ever feel bad if you don't feel that for the Neo Geo, because even me, like I mean, like I, I there's some games I would love to to own, you know, and because I, I, I have a handful still. Um, and I'd love to like, get some more just to put on a shelf. And because, and, I mean, just like the Neo Geo is so great about you have this 
gigantic chunky cartridge that you like plug in the slot and you turn it on and it just feels like it's one of the most like exhilarating experiences in terms of physical gaming but i i will never hope to actually have a proper collection for that you know yeah. my, my goal at this point would be um you know maybe i end up with like king of, Fighter, king of fighters 98 and like shock troopers and a few more of the games like i really really care about on the neo and then that would be fine um you know in addition to what i currently have but i i would never think to especially at this point like try to have any kind of proper collection no way and and while you've been speaking here i went to their facebook page to just do a refresher i'll read a couple snippets i couldn't find the long list I could be missing it, but I screen capped it. So I'm going back to my screen caps from a few days ago. So since this, obviously much more has probably sold, but I've got some pricing. We'll give some examples. Um, we'll start easy. Alpha Mission 2, which you can get on a PlayStation Network for $7.99. They sold a copy for 200 bucks. which, I mean, this is nothing in the world of Neo yeah. Geo. Yeah. They've got, uh, they sold a copy of Double Dragon. For those that don't know, that was that kind of really bad one-on-one fighter. They sold a copy of the AES version for eighteen hundred bucks. Wow! Um, now this is pending here, so I'm assuming this is probably sold. You ready for this? And I've played this on an emulator, and I know what I'm about to say. This is more for collection, and when you have something that's rare, it doesn't really matter, even if it's bad per se. Yeah, it's for the novelty of owning it. Irritating maze. Now, have you ever played that piece of garbage? I've never played the Neo Geo version irritating maze now i don't know how accurate this is but i'm assuming it's this is number three of six they had a bid you ready nine thousand dollars <laughs> uh what i spoke of earlier moments ago king of fighters 2000 which was number 74 of 100 the hardcore edition sold at seven grand uh they sold well okay this is probably sold by now they had pending metal slug 4 and it could have gone for higher since then Thirty-five hundred bucks. Mm. Metal Slug Five, four grand. Ooh. Um. The big thing, though, one of the—I don't want to use the word controversy, but one of the big sticking points recently on the site, and they've clarified and all that. The big, the big boy, so to speak, they had was an AES version of Metal Slug. And if you glanced at it, I'll tell you right now. I didn't see anything wrong with it. They showed the case, and like it looks like Metal Slug to me, right? I'm familiar with the art. Mm-hmm. But there were people who looked at the Facebook post, and they were alleging originally that it was a... Well, they were looking at the instruction manual, and they felt that the manual was a reproduction. And at first, Neo Geo Freak was like, no, that wasn't the case. But then a couple of days later, they came back, and a pot, they, they did a... I shall, I'll read it. It says... Um, Let's see. Oh, come on. They they actually came out and they said they apologized and said it wasn't their intention to mislead anyone and that it was an oversight. But here's the point is, yeah, let's read. It says, this was May 14th. It says, it is with my deepest regret and humblest apology that I admit I made a mistake in proclaiming the Metal Slug ASOF to be fully original. Uh, I'm trying to think what ASOF stands for. I know what it is, and I'm forgetting now. Uh, it says, During the initial excitement of the st- of the stock buyout, posting the games list, answering hundreds of messages, <laughs> speaking to people by phone, 
and taking photos of the various cartridges and collectible items. I made the mistake and got ahead of myself when I proclaimed authenticity on Metal Slug ASOF. Uh, it was never my intention to mislead anyone. When I laid out the Metal Slug to take photos, I placed the Neo Geo Freak Certificate of Authentication card with the cartridge prematurely. I wrongly assumed that all parts of the game were authentic due to knowing the providence and the previous owner. I would not have taken and shared so many photos of foul play was my agenda. Luckily, many people pointed out some issues with the manual. Uh, at first, I took offense and took this as an attack on Neo Geo Freak the stock sale, and to myself personally. For this, I also apologize. We at Neo Geo Free, Chris, Ray, and myself, have always stood by our words and have been in the Neo scene for almost 30 years. We offer full guarantees and 100% money back. If buyers are not completely satisfied, please accept my apologies. But now someone might be going, well, what the hell was the deal? So I have to admit for myself, because I'm not an expert on this, they pointed out on the side of the Metal Slug manual what we'll call the brick line, which means like imagine the piece of art, you know, like you, right. you're doing art, you have a black border around the brick. They pointed out that the brick line by the seam, the seam was only partially visible and the brick line in another section was missing. And I said, what? Like I'm looking at it and I still don't see the ish, the, the foul play. But obviously the fans were correct because if they weren't correct, he wouldn't have come out with that apology. You oh, know what I mean? Oh, trust me. Neo Geo it, people will notice stuff like that. I mean, this is like, because here's the thing. I would have believed, like, if you told me, like, you know, we're not educated on this. Who's to say it wasn't printed like that off the, like, we're, t we are talking about, like, we're not talking like a chunk of the art is missing or, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not like you're looking at the tank and the whole top portion of it is missing. We are talking about a portion of a seam on a black line of a brick towards the crease where the manual stapled yeah I mean, and, and I'm, I'm trying to look at it too because but like because they're, they're are you post, looking at it well their posts aren't loading for me so i can't even look okay. at it for some reason but like part of the thing too you know and i don't know if this this was any connection to okay here we go let me see ah uh, okay hmm yeah, I mean, no, I, I, I see what they're saying, but that, that I think for most people would not catch it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. never. Now, obviously, when you're talking that kind of money, I think they're trying to get like five or six grand at the time, and who knows what it sold for. But so, but I mean, is that just not? That's just well, amazing, but okay, so it? Says part, part of the problem with Neo Geo in this, this would be in my case, and you know, it's been long enough that I don't remember the exacts of of the whole, the whole situation, but there was a point. Um, where Neo Geo Freak started stating that their versions were oh. the proper and correct versions. Yes, I've read, I've read up on and, this and so I looked at photos. Right, again. so yes. what they were doing was literally, and again, don't anybody take this for gospel? I'm telling you what I remember. I'm going to get points wrong. So, but this is the gist of the thing. They were taking, I think, like, the cover inserts and basically destroying them and making their own cover inserts because what it was was again from memory is at that certain point there had been some changes in the spine design on neo geo yes cartridges. the coloring yes one of them was like green and 
they they did some infamous shots at trade shows where they took some of the original inserts and sh- uh, put it through the shredder. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, some so, of that. So yeah. my, 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 might have been like like you're saying like the color wing wise. It might have been mm-hmm. like because I think certain colors were for certain genres of games. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah, and so they were like making their own inserts, and then at that point stating that their inserts were the quote unquote official neo geo inserts and yeah, so at the very least within the united states for certain properties yes yeah so you know <coughs> excuse me i think you know if, if i was interested in buying these coming from that from that knowledge in that era there is part of me that would scrutinize everything on 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 what they're selling because i'd be curious if i'm getting what was originally existing for that game or if i'm getting the quote-unquote neo geo freak version of it See, and I, have, I want to watch my words because I don't want to make any accusations, but this is what happens with truth and is untruth a word? I don't want to use the L word, like truths and non-truths, right, right. right? So I went back and read a whole bunch of that stuff a couple of days ago because I was bored. And I even read some stuff that I don't like either. I didn't read it as in-depth the first time years ago. So this is my conclusion, okay? And I could be wrong. I think Neo Geo Freak did have the clearance for at least certain titles or certain distribution aspects to make that call. Some of the problems, though, I think occurred when, and I'm making some assumptions, where when they possibly got their hands on other products, they followed suit with similar practices where they maybe didn't have clearance to do so. Furthermore... Some of the stuff that they did have clearance to do that stuff with the, the inserts, putting their stamp and logo on it. And they even showed certificate like authenticity from SNK even granting them that ability. I also believe in other threads some of that stuff SNK then frowned upon afterwards even though they had clearance for some of that. Because another thing that fans complained about were the inserts weren't of the same quality from the original SNK right. press. But at the same time, and if, you know, I will say, business-wise, even if SNK had that clearance, or excuse me, Neo Geo Freak, you know, they could, I don't want to sound like an idiot, but if they wanted to take a piece of copy paper and write King of Fighters 2000 on it and <laughs> marker, you could, right? Because they had the ability to do so from what they were granted. but And there was a lot more to it than that. But, I mean, what a wild, like, just... And if you look back on that Facebook page, you can see they were finally were told to crack open the, uh, I think it was the Metal Slug cart. And you can see like the soldering job and stuff that was done because I, and this is what I, and I'm not an expert on this either. So you correct me if this sounds really wrong. Sometimes what will happen with the AES carts is, let's say I want a copy of the original Metal Slug AES. Mm-hmm. You will take the EPROMs, which I dare say are like the key chips holding the data on the the board. And I don't know if you would grab it from like, let's say an MVS version of Metal Slug. You would, I'm assuming, unsolder those. Take an older Neo Geo cart, let's just say Magician Lord, recase it and solder the Metal Slug chips onto that board to make it an AES. Or take the MVS, like like modifying like a combination of cartridges to create the one you want that's worth more money does that make yes sense? yes i mean cause, i mean i don't know the exact process but i definitely do know that there were people who would 
who were doing like AES to MVS and back and forth conversions. Yeah. I, I think typically it was MVS to AES because MVS cartridges tended to be cheaper. That's right. Um, because there they were either more of them or because it was literally just a cart and then a cardboard box and then some materials with it and stuff like that. Um, and I don't know that this is the exact case, but I think one of the things might be that like the pin – the pin placement was like reversed for the MVS versus the AES. I'm not sure exactly, but I, I do right. I do think that makes sense. Is the fact that I think one of the processes was taking the the MVS chips and then soldering them onto an AES board so that then you could run that game on an AES. I mean, is that just not a, amazing? The amount of work that like the but I guess you know when you're talking thousands of dollars, I guess. But is is it just? It's mind blowing. Well, okay, so, the so I was going to bring up this like example, and, and this is kind of like where I I kind of side with the fans who were mad at Neo Geo Freak at the time. Um, like, let's say back in the Dreamcast days, right? Let's say Sega was having a lot of trouble, and some other company comes along and like, you know, what, we're going to pick up Dreamcast distribution and everything for you. Right. So we're going to handle some of these games and whatnot. So, you know, for people who run for the Dreamcast, remember there was three kinds of cases mm-hmm. there was white black and orange and to me it'd be kind of like if if you come in and you buy let's say you buy all of sega stock for i mean like i don't mean like money stock i mean like product stock mm-hmm. and you get like all these these later era games like you know mark of the wolves and i think last blade collection and and stuff like that or last blade 2 i don't it was a collection or two no um, you're right two i think it was yeah. two yeah and then you say, okay, the proper Dreamcast case is a white mm-hmm. case. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take all these inserts from these games that we now have, throw them all away, and remake those inserts in those booklets with with white. So that's kind of think that's kind of what I at the time me and other people felt in terms of what they were doing is that. You know, we want how these things originally were. Absolutely, yeah. But they're, but they're yes. like, no, 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 no. We're going to make everything uniform to what we think the 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 game library should be. And there's a little part of me that kind of understands that because the white, the black switch was like just drove me crazy. Um, but you you don't you don't do that to like that original project. Like if if you want to re-release those games, like whole new printings. And and you know redo the cover and the in the back the back insert and stuff like that and make them the white versions that's fine, but you don't throw away like the you don't open all these games, throw away all the original stuff and then put in your own version of it. Yeah, and hindsight's twenty twenty, and this you know we could. Uh, I think it would have been better if you know Neo Geo Freak had the opportunity to do that and exclusive rights to distribute like that. If they put like a unique piece in there, looks like a certificate or something like saying, "Hey, this proves it," and you want to hold on to this, like you know what I mean, or like some like or, or even or even s- like making like their insert but giving them separately, like you get, yeah, you get them together, like a double, but then yeah, you have like it, both inserts yes. and you can pick which one you want to use. If you look at that King of Fighters two thousand shot on Facebook, which I'm assuming was originally theirs, like because that that hardcore one or whatever, right? Like I've never actually seen shots, like because I'd always read like the text of people saying like, yeah, they put like a sticker on it and this and that. And like, I remember, cause you know, for a short period of time I was a Neo Geo owner and I'm like, I don't know what people are talking about. Cause I hadn't seen any photos. Like, what do they mean? Are they putting like a label on there? Well, if you look at that King of Fighters 2000, 
they have like written in marker on it and quotes like hardcore on the yeah cartridge art and then the manual had you say you see it there's like the neo G, the neo geo freak logo right on the top of the manual and like on the back i'm like wow yeah like, that is crazy and someone paid seven thousand dollars for that patrick patrick and it's, paid yeah, it's, congr- and it's not even my personal favorite <laughs> no i would never pay seven thousand dollars for, for no. king of Patrick. but you know and i know people who know nothing about neo geo are listening to this and just not understanding any of this stuff <laughs> but that this is how insane like when we, when we talk about you know like the chip placement on 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 circuit boards and mm-hmm. and what what color the line on the spine was like <laughs> that's how serious the neo geo market or i should say community and market both are it's it is the craziest video game uh like no. like community slash market whatever you want to call it that has ever existed now patrick will have the last laugh in a couple of years if he yeah. takes that 7k cartridge and he's able to turn around and sell for 15 or 18 yeah you know what i mean who's gonna look like the dummies then but i mean it's just let me ask you this kind of a little bit off the neo geo topic because you and i own some games like the last 20 25 years we have a pretty good dreamcast collection some sega saturn stuff and you know arguably even ps1 era maybe do you think there's going to become a time due to physical product and demand, you know, just diminishing as time goes on? Do you think some of those have the ability to increase, uh, not to Neo Geo numbers, but what do you think? I mean, I, I mean, like, as of right now, I can tell you just off the top of my head, um, one game that I own is Rule of Rose on PS2, and that on eBay is going for between 230 and $280. Wow. So I mean, wow. I mean, there, you know, it's there's, there's definitely, and I'm betting there's games in your library too. Is like games that right. you bought and didn't think much about at the time. I mean, right. even look at things like you know what was it like Radiant Silver Gun for Saturn? Yeah, and I, or yes, I sold yes or Dracula yes. X for uh, you know Turbo Duo. Mm-hmm. Like I bought that for like I think fifteen dollars when I bought it. Wow. And then I ended up selling it for seventy, which I'm it might even be like more now. Right. There's always going to be those kind of those games that kind of come along and maybe you don't, you know, realize it at first. So right. okay, yeah, turbo version of Draco X right now on eBay is 219.99. Yeah. Um you know, I mean or or the ones <clears throat> you do like for example, I've purchased a lot of the the early run of limited run games as Vita games, like Vita releases that I still have sealed. Wow. And so I bought Breach and Clear, Clear Vita, for $25. And it's currently going for 250 Wow. Or $130. Um, so it's going for some pretty decent prices on eBay. Mm. Because, I mean, because they're literally, I think there literally was like 1,500 copies out there. Yeah, that's not many. Maybe. You know, yeah, fifteen hundred copies were were made of that game. So as as time goes on, you know that game's gonna it's it's like I mean, look, most people don't want Breach and Clear. This isn't like a Final Fantasy. Remember, like when Final, <laughs> when Final Fantasy Seven or like Suikoden on like the PS One versions, 
Those were going for some really, really nice prices. You know, uh, like Black Label. I'm, assu- I'm yeah, assuming. Yeah, yeah, Black Label yeah. versions. Yeah. Um, you know, and 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 then you know, for the people who just want to play it, you know, they get like digital re-release or whatever, and that that does them. But this is for the people who want to have like a full collection, you know, right? Or a a certain collection of certain things. So you take a breach and clear where there's fifteen hundred copies. As time goes on, you know, you're going to have more and more people who end up with the copies who then want to keep them. Because initially, you're going to have breach and clear wasn't as bad because it was the first limited run games game they released. But you know, you're going to have more like scalpers and people who are buying this stuff. They know will be will be will go up in price just to sell it later. But at a certain point. Copies are going to be lost. Copies are going to be broken. Something's going to happen to them, you know. Right. So then your quantity, your number to out in the wild yeah. decreases. And then, and that's the case, I think, with like Rule of Rose. It's just a simple case of a lot of people like me who have it don't want to get rid of it. So if you are somebody who wants it physically, you've only got X number of options out there. Right. So, you know, it's like I bet you those games you have – that you don't realize how much they're worth. And that might, that might, that how much they're worth might be $70, $80, you know? But it could be a lot more than you, you paid for it originally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm still waiting for the limited run uh, upload of Night Trap. They still haven't put that up. Yeah, that's, that's but, like me. Um, like, yeah, I mean, and like, I saw something, I saw something yesterday going up for sale tomorrow, and honestly, I can't, I can't do it. I gotta wait. I, I was so upset because they spring this stuff out like out of nowhere, like we were saying on the last episode. And I saw tomorrow um, data discs. I'm assuming out of the UK first for vinyl. They're doing a Gunstar Heroes vinyl. Ah. Uh, yeah, and I'm like, I can't. I gotta stop this. Yeah, uh, I mean, SHRT. like, I bought the Last of Us vinyl for like what seventy seventy dollars, and that now that's like two hundred and fifty something like that. Wow. Hey, are you uh, are you on eBay right now? Yeah. I'll have you look up one real quick. I haven't cracked open. I have the single of Death Stranding. Single? I got that. Yeah. Oh, it's vinyl? vinyl. Yeah. I didn't know there was such a thing. They did a second print, I think. I got the second print. <sighs> I think I paid 15 before shipping. By now, it's already completed. Let's see. Completed ones. Um... Looks like it's going. For, did that even sell? I can't tell if that's holding that. Like forty, maybe. Yeah. No, that's yeah. That's so. not a ton, but yeah, maybe yeah. in time. I mean, yeah. I think it's, I think it's too soon for that. Yeah, but it's. I mean, worst case scenario, it's already dub, more than double technically. You know what I mean? Two and a half times the yeah. original price. Uh, something uh, recently that seems like Nintendo could get uh, any price they wanted for uh, for it due to the fan reaction was. Uh, Quintel in arms. She had uh, quite a reaction. <laughs> I can't tell if some of those internet videos are a put on or a show just for hoping it becomes a, uh, you know, gets passed around the internet. But um, I did have a little note here. We don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but uh, Nintendo has officially unveiled pretty much the rest of the roster for arms coming out June 16th. Uh, in short, what do you think? Are you uh, sold on it yet? It, it, uh, isn't isn't she, by the way, isn't she the only character? Who has human arms? You know, I didn't even notice that because her her attacking "quote unquote" arms are her pony, the hair, pony, right? Yeah, the hair, ponytails. 
Right. So I think I think she's the only character that actually has like regular human arms. Wow. Um, I don't know. Like I know there's a play test this weekend, so I might try it out, but I'm still I'm still not convinced at all. Right. I don't know. I it, it does not look interesting to me. I mean, it just it looks I don't know, like I'm trying to think of something to compare it to. But it You just, don't think it could be Nintendo's uh, Overwatch? No, God no. I'm giving it too much uh yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying, saying I'm not that. saying I it's know. yeah. I only say that from the perspective of the character design and how fans are seeming seemingly taking to the design. But are they, are they are they really like that interesting? I don't know. It's maybe it was just the sites I was Oh, like personally? Um I think it's pretty good. I don't think it's on Overwatch level. I think the problem I, mean, I think the problem is like because they all have those same kind of arms that mm-hmm. really except for Twintel, it really kind of limits the character design, I feel like. And just mm-hmm. I don't know, like I mean it's it's interesting, but I just I don't get the Uber hype that some people have for it. <laughs> but you know what? I, I'm not I, laughing I could try at you. this weekend just, yeah. and you know, I have the I have the work switch this weekend, so oh, okay. I could try it and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, so it's kind of a fighting game frenzy going on right now the next couple of weeks. We've got today as we record, which will give away our record date, uh Ultra Street Fighter 2 the final challengers released on Nintendo Switch today. And the physical copy of Guilty Gear Xard Rev 2 for PlayStation 4 hit, which is also available digitally and as an upgrade piece to the original Guilty Gear uh Exard Revelator. Still still no Bridget. What the hell? <laughs> oh yeah. I forgot. That's right. Um Milking milking those old characters for all they're worth. <laughs> I love Game you know so what? I love Ark, but they 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 are really good at milking their games. Yeah, like super hardcore. Like yeah. for as much crap as Capcom catches, you know what? I bought a copy of Street Fighter Five, and I can play that until Street Fighter Five is done. And I can keep up with the series. And I can, I mean, I can keep up with the game and all the things that added to it through that copy. Well, yeah, I, I won't go down that avenue again. Just I feel, you know, Capcom's made SF5 so complicated now with the add-ons. I almost, in a weird way, feel that the disc upgrade on Guilty Gear was almost welcome. But, I, I mean, I, it's, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. It's not like they're both in the greatest of uh, options. But but nonetheless, that did hit today. Uh, both those titles being thirty nine ninety nine. I think Guilty Gear Exard. Rev two for those who haven't taken the plunge, that is absolutely worth every penny of thirty nine ninety nine. Ultra Street Fighter two, the final challengers for the average person. I don't know about that. That's a toughie. It's that's I. I'm gonna tell you if unless you are <laughs> super hardcore about Street unless Fighter you II, are King of Fighters two thousand hardcore type, then yeah, then don't buy this. Please don't buy it. Like seriously, it's look the the the, the new from the new like waving my Joy Cons thing. That is fun for like two minutes, literally two minutes. I I played it, and otherwise, it's just that that you know HD remix version of Street Fighter Two with Evil Ryu and Violent Ken, mm-hmm. and on controllers that were never meant to play Street Fighter. So. 
But I will say, I will say I did play it in handheld mode today. And to my surprise, the quarter circle motions and stuff weren't as bad as I thought they were going to be. I was able to execute what I wanted to, which didn't totally shock me. Because I look at the four separated buttons for the D-pad on handheld mode akin similar uh, to the PlayStation D-pad. You know what I mean? Because separated. But I will give it, uh, you know, that wasn't a big deal. But 40 bucks for for what it is is a tough pill to swallow. But, hey, we were just talking about those Neo Geo classics ranging between $1,800 and $7,000. So $39.99 for... Uh, Street Fighter isn't so bad. Yeah, that is I true. bet you. Sh- I bet you shipping on Cough Two Thousand Hardcore was more than their price of admission for <laughs> Ultra Street Fighter Two: The Final Challengers. I think the real question to ask about Ultra Street Fighter Two. Here's the real question, Molly. Do you think this is truly the last time in our lifetime? Okay, that we will see a physical rendition of some sort of version of Street Fighter 2. Is this it in our life? Um, no. <laughs> I, mm, mm. Could this be the last physical release that we get in some way or another of Sh- Street Fighter 2? Street Fighter 2. When 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 exactly is Street Fighter 2 come out? I thought oh, going from memory, I'm gonna say ninety-one. Super That's what I thought too. Yeah, ninety-one. Okay, so But the game I mean, boasts thirtieth anniversary, but that's going back to the original Street Fighter date. Right, because Rachel Street Fighter was eighty seven. So that means in a few years you got thirtieth anniversary. Yep. Like I was, I was like, I was wondering, like, could could it make it to fifty anniversary? Like, I mean, do you think for the fiftieth anniversary? Because we would still be alive, hopefully. Um, but I wonder at that point, like, would all the people who care just right. like not care anymore? You know, because I mean, I don't think like like younger generations really get into Street Fighter two that much. You know what? I almost see this release as, and I'm being serious now. This is almost like I remember remember with the PlayStation Portable picking up that Darkstalkers collection early on in its lifespan. Yeah. Now, I'm not giving it that type of credit. I'm not saying that that's what this package is. But it, you know what I mean? Like you get those weird – kind of like Bomberman. Bomberman had good timing on Switch, I feel, because Bomberman came out at launch when there wasn't much else besides Zelda, obviously Zelda being the ace. And, you know, Street Fighter has – you know, they're probably better off putting it out right now before like like once ARMS comes out and stuff. You know, that stuff's going to smash it, you know, because everyone who has the Nintendo is going to want to play that or the new IP or waiting for Smash Brothers. So they are probably better off milking this title for a few weeks and getting whatever they can out of it, you know. And and the problem is, is because, I mean, they keep wanting to go back. Cause we just saw we just saw this week announced that Street Fighter Five is getting um, the classic Vega stage. Yes, that's right. With like the fence and everything in it. Yep. So they keep wanting to. <sighs> yeah, I know what you mean. They keep, and if you look at the background, like Guile's background in SF Five is the, uh, you know, the jet, the you know, the airport background or whatever you want to call it, like the classic style one. Yeah, it's like I know what you're. I was thinking the same thing. Like they really desperately want to give you that modern twist, modern visuals, but 
you know, everyone's they've still got Street Fighter Two on their mind. You okay, know? so so PS Five comes out two thousand nineteen. So for thirtieth anniversary, we could we could get okay. So here's what we get for thirtieth anniversary: is Capcom goes back and remakes Street Fighter Two with with in with 3D, like the SF Five engine, or maybe yeah. Sp- spruced up yeah so so um god i don't i don't know if sf5 can last for another four years though i think capcom said didn't they say they were going to support it allegedly through 20 was it 19 or 18 i thought it might have been 2019 like at least 2019 and things where they said like at least yeah um okay so Here's another question. Do you think by then, by tw- let's say 2018, you think we'll have Tekken Cross Street Fighter? No. You don't think so, huh? No. I think it's dead. I think it's dead. Really? I, yeah, I think it's dead. I don't think it's ever going to come. What if Tekken 7 has better sales than expected, and obviously it has Akuma in there, who's kind of in a pretty big spotlight in that title? If there's a lot of hoopla and fanfare behind that title, you don't think that'll... I I think at this point, I think... I think if Street Fighter V had done better, we would have seen it out sooner. Mm. But I feel like at this point, Bandai doesn't care. Bandai never no. And they're just like, you know what? We can just do Street Tech and that's all. That can, you, can, you, can we talk about this for a quick second? Well, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Think, th- don't forget that. Yeah, yeah. Let me finish my thought. So I think for 30th anniversary, we get a remake of Street Fighter Two. In, in 3D with whatever engine, maybe it's the Street Fighter 6 engine or maybe it's Street Fighter 5 engine. And, and as Street Fighter 5 is going out, they announce this game or whatever. And then and as part of that package, you get the original Street Fighter 2 it comes with. And mm. that would be physically. So I think in that kind of way, <laughs> yeah. we get another physical release of Street Fighter 2. Wow. I really, I really feel like... Because Street Fighter Five will be long in the tooth at that point. I mm-hmm. don't know if we'll have Street Fighter Six yet. Um, Marvel vs. Capcom will have had a good handful of years to kind of exist out there, and that would be especially after Street Fighter Five. Because I, I love Five, but I know some people haven't. I think a good way to get people re-excited for Street Fighter and <laughs> also le- create a path for Street Fighter Six would be. To remake two, mm. so I think they're going to do it. Unbelievable that's my, the that, amount that's of my the amount the amount of versions you and I have witnessed over the years. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, real quick on the, so, yeah, so no, no, this is this isn't going to be long. Real quick on the tech point, could you imagine? I, I want you to think about how preposterous this is, and I'm not saying you're wrong. You know, you could be right. I, I'm still of the belief that that game is coming because uh, I think they would have said it was dead by now. If I think Harada would have come out and finally said it, but. You know, you could very well be right because we certainly haven't seen much. Akuma in Tekken 7 is the biggest thing we've seen to prove that that, in my opinion, is not dead because you know what I mean to implement something like that. But let's say it is dead. How preposterous is it? How insane would it have been if I told you a few years ago, let's say you're a gaming company, you know, well-respected gaming company like Namco and I'm Capcom. And we go into this agreement and we're like, you know what? we're going to give you the opportunity to utilize the Street Fighter characters in your fighting game property. 
could you imagine like how elated in the backflips you'd be doing? You'd be like, oh my God, this is like, this is a once in a lifetime thing. You know, maybe only SNK has gotten to do this in the past years ago, and that was during a totally different era. But can you imagine taking the popularity, having the ability to use those characters? And it gets to a point where just timing or things have been mishandled along the ways, where it gets to the point of what you just said, where it potentially dies and you never even use that property. Yeah. Is that just insane? Yeah. I mean, how like. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, Street Fighter Cross Tekken really screwed things up. Like, really screwed things up. So, I, you know, I mean, that... And I thought I had a pretty cool look and stuff. What, um, And it's been a while. What do you think, what killed it? Was it just certain gameplay aspects, or the, what do you the, think... The gems were part of it. Mm, that's right. Just, like, the way, the kind of way it played. Like, I thought it was an interesting game, but... Yeah. You know, it just wasn't something that, like, resonated with, with that many people. Mm-hmm. And the gems were a really weird decision. So that, that didn't last like, long on the FG, like on the professional FGC. What was it like two years, maybe three? Something, tops? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So I mean, it it. But can you imagine that to have Street Fighter it, like the ability under contract to use that, and it's like instant money, or at least it would have been considered instant money, and like you get to a point where you just can't like it, you don't complete the project, or you like try to cut bait on it, like yeah, that is just mind blowing. I think, like I want, I really wonder if they were like serious about the game in the first place. I had, they had to have been. Abs- but do you think absolutely. so? I mean, because absolutely. But I mean, look at all the times. Look at all the times that um, games are just announced. Like, here's we're doing this, 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 and it's like every time a new platform's announced, you see all the, this long list of developers who are working for it, and you hear all these game ideas and everything. You know, a Resident Evil. You know, uh, a unique Resident Evil on the Vita. You know, and a Bioshock <laughs> on the Vita. And um, all these kind of things. And then there's like a lot of the projects just never end up being anything or never coming to exist. I think, especially with Japanese developers, it feels like they get these great ideas, but they say them way too early mm. because they're not in development and they're not even certain they're going to do them or not. You know, and I mean, like, I, I know the game came out, but, you know, when when you heard like, Shin Megami Tensei cross Fire Emblem. Like, Tokyo Mirage Session was not what you were thinking. <laughs> you know? That was not what anybody was thinking. So, I, I think I think there's some of these ideas that there's like, oh, yeah, sure, we're making Tekken cross Street Fighter because Capcom's making Street Fighter cross but Tekken. But that's a big, that is a And to Capcom's credit, even though the ball was put, at least in part dropped, uh, give Capcom, a, I will give Capcom a little bit of credit on that. They completed that project and it had a lot of yeah. content and they got that thing out pretty quick for better or worse. Like that game, it wasn't trash. It didn't suck. I, I still think it's a pretty good looking game. I saw it running somewhere online recently and I hadn't looked at it in so long. I'm like, you know, that was a pretty cool looking title. Yeah, I thought it wasn't bad. But that was so long ago now. That was like what? That was like 2012, I think. Early 2012. 2012 yeah. Like over a half decade ago. So. But... Speaking of Tekken 7, um, should we be looking out for reviews and stuff on that at egmnow.com uh, in the near future? I don't know when the embargo for that is, so I'm not really sure. How about Ultra Street Fighter 2, the final time you'll ever see those challengers? 
Yeah, I need to get my review done. Um, I've been playing it some. Uh, the online just went up today as we record this, so mm. I wanted to wait to get some time with the online before I reviewed it. Mm. But don't. Just don't don't rush out for it. It's... it's uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, just, I, I go back to it now, and look, Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 2 is an amazing game. Like, I was going to get a, a Super Nintendo just for that game. Um... It was the, the hugest thing in the world. I loved it. Here's 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 when I play Street Fighter. I'll give you a perfect example. We have a retro video game bar in downtown LA here. And oh, I went okay. there one time and there were some guys playing Street Fighter 2. Mm-hmm. And so I put my little quarter on the machine, waited my turn, you know, plays around against them and stuff like that. Like that's when Street Fighter 2 is still a lot of fun. Right. You know, or if you're having a party and your friends are over and you're like, hey, let's play Street Fighter 2, you know, and you play it and you laugh because you haven't played it in a long time and, and, and stuff. But like, I just like, I mean, how much are you going to play Street Fighter 2 at this point? I don't know. I guess just because me, like, if I'm going back to a game, like, I'll go back to like Sam Show 2. Like, I will, I will legitimately play that these days because to me, there was never another Sam Show that like was as good as 2. Whereas like Street Fighter, like, no offense to Fighter 2, it was a fantastic game back in the day. Broke new ground, created the genre, but, like, I'd rather play 5 or 4 or something. Or even 3, probably. Or Alpha. I'd rather play all of them except for Street Fighter 2. <laughs> well, my biggest piece of nostalgia with Street Fighter 2 in this particular rendition that we're talking about Ultra Street Fighter 2, uh, while the name was slightly different, the first street fighter game i ever owned and i think major one-on-one fighter i always like fighting games but you know the deal when we were younger and you had to pick and choose and while i played street fighter and played it a bit in arcades and i want i remember when the original street fighter 2 came to super nintendo i wanted that thing so bad yep. molly yeah me too. and i could only rent it i don't know what boat you were in but i wanted it so bad and that cart was like 70 75 bucks yep. at the time and I, and I remember kids at school like and i'm not putting you know some Kids have more money than others, you know, whatever. And I remember going to school and, like, everyone had that game. And, you know, you and I are big gamers, and I wanted it so bad. But anyway, I never got Street Fighter 2, and then even Turbo came out. But the first Street Fighter I ever owned firsthand, and I remember playing it, like, the whole summer, was Super Street Fighter 2 for Super NES. Mm. And, you know, even at that point in time, some of the that uh, fire-burning you know, we're starting to wane a bit and that's right. You're starting to get to alpha and SNES was getting a bit older, but yeah, that was the first one I ever owned. So kind of having this one in my collection, uh, again, in this fashion, kind of on a Nintendo console, you know, that's the biggest excuse I can give. Yeah, no, I, I understand. I but understand that, but yeah. like everyone else, though, I will say this for the physical release, like everyone else should have been 1999. Yeah. Or I'll say again, it should have had alpha three and Street Fighter three third strike. Yeah. Imagine, imagine if it was, especially since they're hyping the 25th anniversary, you right. know, uh, imagine if it was like SF2, Alpha, SF3, you know, kind of like this, like, yeah, like, give a like, little like, something street, up. Yeah. like Street Fighter celebration, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That would have been for 40 bucks. Uh, for I, that 40 been bucks, a, people would, sure. people would have, they wouldn't have compl- at least complained as much. They would have been happy. Yeah. But they really did bare, like, the minimum. For the most part, that they could have done, you know, yeah. to justify that. But I am seriously telling you, people, 
after you play that that first person mode once, you will never <laughs> play it again. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Uh, let's see what else we got going on here on episode 28, three-year anniversary of GVGP. Thank all our listeners here who've been uh, tuning in at radio.morningproject.com, putting up with us for the last 36 months. I want to thank you again. Uh, we have a little bit of time here in this episode. We'll probably wrap it up here in the next 10 minutes. I do have... Uh, um, you, oh, we had a piece of fan mail. Yes. Is that what you're going to get to? Parcel delivery notice. Yes, yeah, so we do have one piece of fan mail. So Let's get to that before we get sidetracked, and uh, it may potentially wrap up the show, but let's see. Uh, what do we have? This is from Aaron, and... Uh, okay, so he asked us before... What was the question he asked us? And then we answered it. Oh, my God. Um, if you could have any animal as a domesticated pet, that was the question. And we talked about that last time. That's right. Because he's, he's like, uh, <laughs> to clarify my last email, the idea was for any animal that could have been domesticated like a cat or a dog. So if Anthony was a pet tiger, there in this scenario was no concern of it attacking him. Just wanted to clarify in case you thought I was insane. Um, I've heard an interesting theory that the recent success of games from Japan or lack of success of games from the West could be at least in part attributed to the fact that gamers to some degree buy games based on score. And we have seen on a semi-consistent basis AAA Western games being very buggy or incomplete at launch and Japanese games taking longer but finishing with much more polish thus affecting each individual score, respectively. This naturally leads to the likelihood of someone considering it a good investment or not. Do you think this holds water? I honestly think Japanese games simply have more identity or confidence in their creative direction and think there's a growing appreciation for this in response to the iterative nature of modern Western franchises. Uh, Games that are not trying to be for everyone foster loyalty in the audience that loves them, uh, not too different from GVGP in some ways, I think. Uh, when this is combined with bona fide quality, see Persona 5, Dark Souls, etc., it becomes a hit. Um, so, okay, so first let's, let's attack that. So, I think, I think, I think score, I think scores, like, let me give you an example. I think, I think Nier Automata is a perfect example of this. Like, I think there were a lot of people who had never heard of it, had no reason to think about it. You know, the, the previous year came out and they're like, what, sixes and sevens and things like that, you know? Right. So they had not much reason to think about it. And all of a sudden they hear, oh my God, this game's getting eight fives, nines, nine fives, tens, and things like that. Like, I think that definitely makes you just automatically curious, you know, about uh, what that game is and you're more likely to pick it up. So I think scores do matter. Um, I think, I think part of it is a combination of just, we had a just fantastic slate of games, like in short order that just happened to come all at the same time. And they were hitting at a point when either Western games weren't coming out very much or with like Mass Effect Andromeda, you know, that like Mass Effect was a perfect kind of game to come out to show like this difference between the West and the East because it was like, oh my God, look at this buggy crap American game 
and then contrast it with like all of these fantastic Japanese games that are coming out right now. Yes, I, I don't want to cut you off. I, I don't know if you want me to speak a little yeah, bit. Go ahead. Um, yeah, this is a very, I like the question, uh, and thank you for writing in again. Um, first off, as for the theory itself, you know, I'm always a big, I'm not saying it's a conspiracy theory, it's not, but like I always love crazy theories or stuff I haven't thought of, and I've never, I've never thought of that, and I never would have uh, in regards to the scores uh, with what some Eastern games are getting right now versus the West. At the same time, though, I, um, you know, I'm going to shoot from the hip and what comes to my mind right now, but this is almost something that would be more interesting to actually write on or really put proper thought to paper on this but as it stands for now um i don't want to misspeak and get off on too much of a tangent on how great you know japanese like i love japanese games you know that and like they're my favorite games of all time and i think we've talked about this they've hit their stride or like they've had a little bit of a resurgence especially in 2017 and i'm very happy for that i i also don't want to take away what the West has done in particular, excluding PC games of the 80s and 90s, because that's a whole different ballpark, and they've always done cutting-edge stuff there. You know, the last 10 to 15 years has been led by the the West technologically, love it or hate it, especially in the FPS genre, um, production values, you know, movie-like qualities, which, as we know, doesn't make a great game, but for what it is. Um, And some of that stuff was actually kickstart, you know, kind of... uh, put into motion by Japanese games like Metal Gear Solid in the late 90s and, you know, Final Fantasy VII, yada, yada, yada. But, um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a very interesting take. Um, I think with that being said and liking that question, and I think there could be some validity to that with the scores. I, I would say that only applies for more recent memory, let's say the last couple of years. Um, but I always go back to something Molly has said in the past, and I've also you know, I concur with and have thought of uh, two things I'll say. I think a lot of the change for the better right now with some of the Japanese development and as to why we're getting arguably some better products and products that maybe don't have as many camera issues or games that are now starting to look the part in terms of competing with the Westmore. I think that comes down to the tools and the Unreal Engine and the Japanese being able to understand what's going on more. I still credit it to that. And it's interesting because as many people know, I am a regular reader of Retro Gamer out of the UK. And it's interesting to read back on like anniversary articles or things where developers from back in the day and around the world talk about like their fond memories of Super Nintendo or Sega Genesis. And one of the things you see a lot, especially with the Super Nintendo or Nintendo products, and this is not a knock on Nintendo, is you always read about Western developers saying, you know, they were able to achieve certain things through trial and error. They were like so thrilled when they could figure X, Y, and Z out. But they would discuss how things in the tech manuals were either, you know, the English wasn't proper or certain stuff was written in a way that made, you know, certain things backwards or the opposite of what it should have been. With that in mind, I credit that to today where the tables were reversed with the rise of like Xbox and you know bringing Western and PC type development forward, and those graphical engines that were once exclusive to PC and that type of gaming now hitting console, and the Japanese having to adjust, um, and and you know the other big thing with 3D games versus 2D, I always credit a lot of the success back in the day, the charm and the visuals with hand drawn art and sprites. Now I want to make it clear I'm not saying the West can't draw it's like saying the japanese can't do 3d well that's a 
that's an incorrect statement. But stereotypically, you could see where um, their strengths lie. But back to present day in this in this question, I feel that we have better tools now. Certain things are easier for them, and I'll bring this. And you could even say this for Street Fighter Five, but like a game like Guilty Gear Exard, which I'm always gushing over. Their 2D style anime art is able to shine through in a 3D world due to the power of the current systems or certain tricks allotted to you know engines that are out there where you don't always have to have the latest and greatest engine. You can you can skin stuff a certain way or you're not as limited anymore. I think it's a combination of things, I think, is what I'm trying to say in the end. But that is a really interesting take if you're just looking at numbers. Um, I never thought of that. I do also feel, and I could be completely wrong here, is I do feel like I tend to trust Japanese games more at launch to not be so buggy compared to like Western developed games. <clears throat> because I, I, and I'm, I said I could be completely wrong. That might be just, just be prejudice in my head. But I feel like we've gotten to a point where every Western game that comes out, I expect it to need a patch right away. You know. Well, I have an excuse there, and I, I, I'll tell you what I think on that. I don't think you're ro- wrong. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the stuff you get from the West, you're getting more of those sandbox games or huge westernized That's RPGs. True. I mean, so when you you know they keep, I think one of the things one of the things that becomes more timeless, and there are some Western titles that fit this category. It's not only the East, but now we're getting back to art direction, charm longevity in that nature whereas certain military style shooters and you know i play them um they're going to age differently versus great art now a game and that i i'll give you an example of a game that i think will age well in time and that is western overwatch i, was, I knew you were through that but yes because of the way it's stylized and the you know we're not looking for 100% photorealistic characters and they may not be pumping what the latest Call of Duty is doing and I and I will go on record saying this because I played the last 2 years of Call of Duty I will tell you from a technical perspective some of the stuff going on in Call of Duty is unbelievable I mean it is crazy but in time I think a title from the west up that will age well will be Overwatch. I'll give you an example of a game from yesteryear that I think aged well due to its art direction, and they have remastered it, and the remaster does look better, admittedly. The original Halo. Halo has a pretty good look to it. You know what I mean? Like the the art direction and the character design. Um, But I think that plays a role, too, and I think there's been so much. I would The only other argument I would say for the West right now that may keep certain things strong for them when it comes to these Call of Duties or... um, you know, titles that we've become so accustomed to the last decade and a half uh, is the esports aspect, competitive play. See, on the visual, but, I was going to bring up another Blizzard example in World of uh-huh. Warcraft. Because, like, if you look back, like, Blizzard was really smart in the visual style they picked for World of Warcraft because you kept having all these other, like, competing MMOs come out that were going for maybe, like, more realistic and more detailed styles. Right, and they end up looking old much quicker than World of Warcraft did. So I think Blizzard's got a really good, good, you know, handle on how do we create styles that aren't going to go old and are going to still look 
you know, current day, even years later. Right. I think too, though, you know, because Aaron brings the fact that um, Western games are tending to try to be more all-inclusive and Japanese games, again, near Automata, like that could not be more niche and more directed <laughs> at a certain, you know, element. And I think right. that that could be part of it too, you know, and in, in just the fact that like they, we had this we had this period where you had a lot of great Japanese games that were like, if you want something different, like come try us, you know? Right. And you look back at the original, you know, Demon Souls and then Dark Souls. And like, if that had been a Western game, like think about that would have been much easier and it would have had cutscenes, and it would have had a lot more voice dialogue and it would have had story and all those kind of things, you know? But like Dark Souls felt unique among its its kind of competition and that's what helped make it so popular at the time so i i do think that one of japan's strengths still is but it's also one of their biggest weaknesses too i think is that they're willing to make their games much more niche right and not try to be everything to everybody but on the other hand you know you get all these moe games that then have very very limited you know markets and things like that like you you have to do it the right way uh so then uh oh no and i'm not i'm not i'm I'm not ignoring you i was i was um my my feet cut for like a split second because i loaded something up i was Uh, just going to get back to the ridiculousness of what uh so it goes without saying once again i love the japanese games i love you know Japanese anime style art for the most part and I'll go to bat for it every any day of the week but when you just got into the Moe games and stuff I have to bring this up from today Exceed Games announced and I'm not judging I'm not hey you know but just to get into the ridiculous side of things why we have to put an asterisk by why we love Japanese games introducing the no shirt no shoes all service limited edition for Senran Kagura Peach Beach Splash hell yes It says, no shirt, no shoes, all service edition includes art book, music CD, Blu-ray compilation of opening animations for previous games and bonus DLC. Downloadable. This is the first time I've read this part, by the way. Downloadable content includes soaking wet high school uniform costume. (laughs) Futomaki roll bazooka special weapon. Set of colorful bikini costumes, special set of skill cards and... BB by pet. I'm looking at yeah yeah a BBB and baby guy, BBB. This yeah this is for PlayStation. It seems PS. I almost I almost seemed real Vita ish. Oh, there was Vita version, but I guess we're not getting it. No wait no, maybe we're maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is one I keep thinking was for Vita, but actually wasn't for Vita. I gotta check now. What happened? There's only you. I feel like I feel like Exceed. Yeah, I feel like Exceed lately is is not taking as many. Like NIS seems a little bit kind of the same way, but you know I, I no I'm I sorry I'm sorry chance. it is it is it is PS4 only like yeah this is the one this is the one I got confused on recently where I was certain there was a PS a Vita version but there's not and I will say this for XE just to to make it sense so I'm not that type of person uh, you know what have you done for me lately should have you know. Back in the Double Plus Good Games days, uh, they were always very kind and gave us the time of day. And we've, we had interviewed uh, Thomas Lipschultz a couple times 
uh, back in the he's day. He's the guy who got in trouble recently. Which I, which someone else brought that to my attention because I was completely unaware. So I was only recently educated on that. But speaking for my time with him at that time, which would have been about four years ago, he you know they were awesome individuals. And the girl's name is this, oh why am I not remembering her name? We had Thomas on and. The girl that worked with him, who I think recently relocated to New Zealand, I'm so sorry for. Not oh, oh, um, her name. oh, God, age protagonist. Uh, <laughs> oh God, what's her real? You know, I feel so bad because I know her in person. Yes, I, I, I want to say Jennifer, but that's not right. <sighs> Jessica, not, thank you. Jessica, that was close. yes, Jessica. Okay, yeah. So we had Jessica and uh, Tom Lipschultz on, but. Uh, no, you know, like, look, I, I love Exceed. Like, um, like, there's no little Japanese company I don't love because, uh, just like, it's I I have way easier times working with them than the bigger companies, and mm-hmm. they're yeah, always very yeah. friendly and they're always very eager to like help out because they want to, you know, for people who who know their games and want to, you know, cover them cover them with actual like care, like they they're very supportive. Um, and Tom, like, I've met Tom. He he he's a nice guy, like in person. I've ne- I don't have nothing to bad to say about him, but he definitely did also, though, in my talking to him, seem to be a person who's very strongly opinionated. Mm. So when that happened, like I wasn't completely shocked, right? Uh, but you know, I don't think anything bad with the guy. Like, and this is so bad looking at their feed. What made me think of them as a reminder is I see them promoting our trails in the sky because when we had them on a couple times, that was always the big property. Yeah. And this, and I'm not trying to be inappropriate, but I'll tell you a little trick on how I always remember, like tits. When I see yeah, it. I know tits. Yeah, everybody does that. It just, it's not just like a secret or anything. So you feel bad about it. Everybody calls it tits. So, <laughs> and speaking speaking of those, and and I can't complain about my way too much to because to be fair, I just bought this week Honey Pop. So I I saw yeah. Uh. So I can't make fun. Of, uh, I can't make fun of anybody's game buying choices. I, and I got thrown off guard here because I'm tw- I'm on Twitter and I have to mention. Do- uh, oh my god, that was so wrong. I was going to say double plus. I've got double plus on the mind. Shout out to Neil, by the way. Uh, warning: A huge podcast uh, member, Nick, just tweeted and it says, "Oh cripes, I'm a Mr. Arms test because if I don't sleep, I'll die." Yeah. So he must be pulling uh, some all nighters, but. Uh, and and I, yeah. I will be playing Beach Peach Beach Splash. So Wow. Let me go but let's see what Molly, uh, Molly had tweeted oh, nice. God. I only knew this because it says looks like I'll be popping some honeys this weekend. Really curious to finally see what that game's about. So I have no idea what is this? Honey pop? I got no clue. Do you don't know this game? No, absolutely not. It's it's like a puzzle game where you can then date and have sex with girls. <laughs> It's kind of like like uh, what was that game? Oh god! Leisure Suit Larry. No, 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 no. Just puzzle, kidding. puzzle I'm game. Sorry. God, what was that game? It was Clash, Clash or something. Oh god! Like it was not not like one of these terrible like phone games. Like a legitimate is on DS and then it's on PS3 uh-huh. and Xbox 360. Like a puzzle questy kind of game. I wonder if it's called. Puzzle oh really? Quest. Yeah. Huh. Um. But so yeah, it's like one of those kind of games, and then it has like dating sim elements to it. Wow. Uh, so Aaron's question this time: uh, What gaming company has been the most personally important to you so far? Uh, you're welcome to interpret "important" however you'd like. 
<coughs> excuse me, fun, time-consuming, uh. memorable, emotional, nostalgic, etc. Uh, I'd need to personally go for Squaresoft, not Square Enix. During the Super NES and PS1 eras, they were doing magic on a scary, consistent basis. Thanks again for all you do. Love the cast. I'm looking forward to the next one, Aaron. Before I answer, uh, are we talking in life? Are we talking currently or just like in our lifetime? I'm assuming lifetime. So far. So, yes, in your lifetime. like This is really – there's two that come to mind. I, do I have to pick one? I, I feel like I might have two, so I think I'll give you two. I got to go Capcom and Sega. I, I almost was going to put Capcom in the lead, and then Sega hit me, and I'm like, what? I got to do Capcom and Sega. See, I would say Sega is definitely and, one of mine. And it's funny because I do a lot of talk about SNK, and I love SNK. But, yeah. I mean, Capcom, like, because we're talking about Lifetime and Prime. Like, we're talking Prime years. Same thing goes for Sega. Like, there were so many, like, I'd never gotten so excited in my life for certain releases or just characters as I, as I did with Capcom and uh, Sega. And that's not to say there aren't other companies that are right up there with them. But those got to be my two picks. I mean, there were so many great... Just titles of that era if you loved action and fast arcade gameplay so much innovation from sega doing the opposite of what nintendo did so many beloved franchises before we got into the mid-2000s of their ups and downs more downs than ups i mean just so much great stuff to having been able to live through um you know sega's rise during the the genesis era and actually defeating nintendo for a little while like that's something that i mean that was just unheard of I mean, so many great memories. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, like Sega, just right off the bat, like the original Fantasy Star, like changed me as a gamer. It made me, you know, love RPGs, which has existed throughout the rest of my life. Um, then, you know, I mean, Fantasy Star Online got me into multiplayer games, got me into playing online, playing like pseudo MMO kind of stuff. Um, like I mean Genesis, like yeah, I was definitely a Genesis person. Not 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 Super NES. I mean I had I had one for you know like Final Fantasy, Chrono Trigger, you know Harvest Moon, a few things like Pocky and Rocky, some of the stuff like that. But like Genesis was was huge for me. Like Saturn, Saturn was weird, but it still was really big because that Saturn was the point. I think that I really really got into fighters. Because that's when, yeah. that's when you could really properly have them at home. Yeah. And Saturn was just so much better in terms of that. Um, and then, of course, Dreamcast. Like, I will never not love the Dreamcast. And, like, Sega getting out of the hardware business, like, just crushed me. And it's, like, a lot of things along the way. You know, it's, it's, it's funny because, like, I mean, I can't sit here and give you a gigantic list of Sega games that I, I loved, loved, per se. Like, I could go to each platform and say... There was this game and this game and that game, you know. So it's not like I feel like there's other companies, like because part of me was gonna say the other company might be Atlas, and I'd say like with Atlas, there's it's way, <laughs> excuse me, way more consistent <clears throat> in the games I've loved over the years and like right. how many games come out game after game that I I do like. Um, so like say and like Capcom's kind of the same way. You know, so Sega's not quite as as 
as special in that regard, but the things they did for me were gigantic over the years. And and this might be a weird statement for me, and maybe it's because it's late, but, and it's almost like how you talk about a person or a loved one, but you know, the thing with Sagan, you mentioned Dreamcast, like I love the Dreamcast as well, and I still own it, I haven't sold it, and I still have a pretty good collection of games for that thing. I sometimes, like, you'll see me, like, tweeting or taking shots of Super NES stuff or classic titles, Neo Geo, Capcom stuff. Sometimes it's really hard for me to put up shots of Dreamcast stuff or want to get back into and play some of that stuff. And it's not because I've had a change of heart. I Like, I took it so bad. Like, I, for the record, I didn't cry. But, like, I took it so bad, like, when, like, because that was the end of that era for Sega and console. Yeah. Like, a piece of me doesn't even like to revisit it that much. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I mean, no, there was, like, about a year, I think, where I was certain I was never going to buy a PS2. Uh, because, you know, anybody, anybody who lived through that, and you will know this, is at that point, people were literally saying, I'm not going to buy or play a Dreamcast. Because I'm waiting for the PS2. I worked in the store. I heard that every day. Yes. That's so true. Yes. uh, We haven't talked about that. But that is so – it's amazing to hear it from you because we didn't live in the same area. You know what I mean? That is exactly to a T. That drove me so crazy. Can can I correct you? There was one more – there's one little tidbit you forgot and you're spot on. They would say – the Dreamcast is cool. It looks great, but I'm waiting for you know PlayStation Two comes out next year, and it also does DVD. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So like like Sony like pissed me off at that point because I had actually right. kind of gone more for PlayStation than, than Saturn. Like I loved my Saturn. Don't get me wrong, I have tons of games for it, but PlayStation kind of won me over, you know. But then like I adored the dreamcast and i was so pissed off at people because they were just <laughs> waiting for the ps2 they're like they're, they weren't even giving the dreamcast a chance <laughs> like i i can see like here's the thing if if you i'm like i'm waiting to see and ps2 comes out and you're like okay now i'm gonna see how things are gonna go for both of them and kind of decide from there that's one thing but people were already convinced that ps2 was like the coming of god well i and i believe i did share this story on the show and and I, I'm not saying this because, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I did say this at the time, and this is coming from a big Sega fan, and I, had a, I still have my import Dreamcast and all that crap. The moment I said to a buddy of mine, I said when I said it was over for Dreamcast is when I saw the world premiere of Metal Gear Solid 2 at E3. Yeah. Now, am I justifying it or does that make things right? Now, mind you, that's at a tra- it was you know more of an exclusive trade show at the time, and it's not you know. And look, we know what happened with MGS two, all the swerves and the the people upset. That's a totally different story. But I will say, when I saw that trailer, the way they did that trailer, and I, I know we talked about this. No matter how what you feel about that game, or if you thought it was a poor entry, or they shouldn't have done this or that, that trailer at the time, much like what we're speaking of, if you didn't live through the Sega era or the dream, what happened with the Dreamcast. If you didn't live through that Metal Gear Solid 2 trailer, <laughs> yeah. you can't, you know what I mean? No, I, and, that, and, and I just, I keep picturing like Nick's, Nick's reaction from that, that video that came out <laughs> and where he was in it. Um, yeah, I mean like, like, like post, post-release was one thing because then there was like, oh my God, like we didn't know about the second half and 
we don't want to play as as gay yeah. Raiden things all different, that. Different yeah, stuff, different you know? ball game doesn't you're a different yeah. ball game but, but yeah, but what you saw at the time before that came yeah. out like seeing that trailer like yeah, you you can't understand. Like it's just it was mind-blowing. Like seeing like the bottles breaking as they were being yeah. shot and all that kind of stuff yeah. and the rain on on the camera and the rain on the ground mm-hmm. and everything and yeah, that was that was you saw that and you're like, I've never seen a game like that. Right. So I I understand that kind of feeling. And and it's funny because when you look back, like the Dreamcast wasn't around for that long. No. And you know, I always wonder to myself, even though the hardware was different and PS two in some ways, you you may remember this too, and you'd learn this as well, like is you get older and you understand like you know the more a system sells you're going to get more support and you're going to get better tool sets and development tools right but you will also remember that even though on paper the ps2 was more powerful in ways than dreamcast one of the things the dreamcast had early on was the better aliasing and you'd get you know certain aspects yeah. were cleaner obviously until you know playstation 2's dominance and they upgraded their debt you know dev kits or whatever but um it makes me wonder that if the dreamcast stayed around a couple more years i'm assuming some of the games we would have seen on that system would have been like i'm thinking they could have held their own correct i mean like i like i'm not gonna compare it like popularity wise but you know if you look at uh and the wii the wii's a bad comparison but you look at like the wii and the switch you know both those platforms were definitely less powerful than their competitors. Yes. But you still saw games that you're like, okay, this feels like a game I could play on the other systems too, you know, like because of the art style or the way they were developed or things like that. So, yeah, I think I think if the Dreamcast had gotten a proper, like, five-year, six-year lifespan, mm-hmm. like, we could have seen some really cool stuff. And, I mean, even, uh, like, I mean, even, like, look, I remember playing Skies of Arcadia through the VGA box and... Mm-hmm. That like blew my mind when I saw it, you know, and I, I think especially too because of how hard the PS2 was to program for, right? Like if the Dreamcast could have survived. I think you could have people just really hitting that hardware, getting good engines, getting good performance out of things, and and showing games that could have been maybe not equal to PS2, but could have just been like look you're not going to feel like you're playing the inferior system playing the no Dreamcast. i mean look at shenmue and that i mean uh, that's just one example but like that game doesn't look bad like that's still a pretty darn good looking game for its time and that was two years in uh another game you know how we're always gushing over metal gear solid 2 and let's exclude shenmue f- uh, from this for sega correct me if i'm wrong a game that came out at the time for dreamcast when you saw it you were like wow was soul Calibur. Yeah. So, Soul Calibur Soul was, was amazing. I was going to say, too, I mean, like, I remember Dead or Alive 2. Like, yes, it looked way better on Dreamcast than it did PS2. Yeah. yeah. So I remember, oh, uh, like, what, UK Resistance? Like, all their jokes about how much better the Dreamcast version was than, than the <laughs> PS2 version and stuff. Yeah, I said, like, I the, the Dreamcast is... Dreamcast is one of just the saddest stories because that that's a system that died way too early like you look at like the jaguar the ouya and these other kind of platforms and you're like yeah you know what they didn't need to last that much longer but you know give the give the dreamcast like a a good like neo geo like lifespan and see what could be done with it i've plugged this channel before and i'll make a quick uh 
the Did You Know Gaming YouTube channel, and they did one a couple weeks ago. Speaking of Sega, they did an interesting one on Sega Gaga, which was kind of the final swan song in Japan and love letter to Sega fans and stuff. That was an interesting, uh, very interesting one they put together. Um, to the limited budget, the I think it was something crazy like two hundred bucks or something for marketing and. Hmm. And then the the guy behind it, I know I can't remember his name right now, but he like went into the key spots in Tokyo or Akihabara and just from word of mouth or went, rented something like it was a mega, something weird, but word got out and the game sold, you know, decent for its time. But anyway, really good, really interesting video to watch kind of like towards the end of the Dreamcast lifespan and kind of like the, just the passion behind that project and for Sega fans and like, you know, that era of gaming, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. You know, I really wish Sega would have, like, been brave and, um, I mean, it had been easier to do these days, but, like, if they had kind of, like, opened up development to anybody, you know, made some kind of, like, um, public usable developer tools and things like that, because you saw, you know, how much homebrew there was after Dreamcast kind of went away, and it would have been really cool to have Sega kind of have embraced that. And even like an early kind of platform for like the indie scene, right? Because that could have been like really cool. And then that's I kind of like I mean, like saying that I kind of, I kind of wish Sony would do the same for the Vita, you know, because we know the Vita's not going to last that much longer. So I, I wish they had the courage to just kind of open it up, and say, you know what, if you want to develop for it, just develop for it. We're not going to stand in your way, you know, and kind of give it like the second life as a kind of hardcore fan console. I don't you you sparked my memory and I don't know if this is directly on topic but do you remember when PlayStation 3 kind of dabbled in that and I'm going to mention yeah. something that you you know you'll probably know do you remember Linger in Shadows Yeah Okay yeah do you, you don't have that still do you Uh I think I do Yeah I think I've got and you know the reason I bring it up because we're talking about you remember that's the time when they kind of were trying to open up that weird scene or get those weird Right. What was I can't remember the name. Like you'd see them on PC. Like there's tech de- tech demo is not yeah. the word. It's uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like I mean they were big like like on Amiga and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I mean like I I felt that kind of had that on Vita with like the PS Mobile and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, but they just like I don't know they they just. Oh, was it demo scene? Demo scene. Yeah, maybe. yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, but yeah, getting back to that, yeah, I could see Dreamcast doing that type of stuff and. Yeah, but not to get too off topic of that of the letter, but yeah, so I would say, you know, I guess common ground for us, pretty close, but uh, yeah, Sega was definitely, uh, you know, that was a biggie. Yeah, so I'm thinking about like companies that like have shaped me as a gamer, and I said Sega definitely is one. I think, I mean, even if it was nothing beyond just the original Persona, like that game changed me so much in a lot of ways and you know so i think just like atlas atlas is kind of the company i don't i don't always love every game they release but that their games so often just speak to me on a level of terms of like style and art and characters and storylines and things like that mm. but i mean yeah i love capcom i love SNK. I love old school konami back in the days you know what did they just do recently um what did they just do <laughs> they just did something was it the that they're making like a, a 
a Contra TV show or something? Oh, I thought I read. Well, God, what did they do recently? Uh, you did remind me of something on my notes. Uh, there's the new Netflix Castlevania Cast- show starting July 7th. And it looks pr- – first off, I didn't realize it was animated. I, I didn't it either. I live action. Yeah, so did I. And while it does have a really good anime look, I believe it's actually Western done but anime influenced. But yeah, it looks pretty good. So that starts July 7th. And then speaking of Konami, we can't have it all be positive news for them. I had completely forgotten about it, but I saw the name of that Metal Gear uh, whatever the heck it is pop up again. I can't even remember the name of it. The embarrassment one. Metal <laughs> What is that game called? Yeah. Metal you know Gear Sur- Survivor? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so. yeah. I swear like Kami did something recently that might have been okay. I can't remember. Hmm. I think I know. I Yeah, it's on the tip of my tongue too. And it wasn't Bomberman because Bomberman it's got like a okay. It's re- like a remaster or bringing a game back or something like that I feel like they did. I could be I could be completely wrong, but I I just feel like I just remember Konami being mentioned recently for something. Mm. Hey, I got a really random question as we wrap it up here on the fan mail, and it's not pertinent. Um, you know, I'm always curious as to where listeners are from or where they're coming from. They don't say the person doesn't say what part of their country or world they're writing from. I uh, do no, I don't. I mean, he might have like earlier on, but he does not hear. Yeah, I'm always interested in that because it's crazy. You know, I've interacted with fans from Canada. East Coast, West Coast, and uh, I'll give a little shout out. I don't know if the person still listens, but Messi Burn, I think Messi Bernie, all the way in Portugal. So it's amazing. Uh, you never know who's listening. That was always so, funny uh, for us. I mean, for a game mm-hmm. fan, because we would get letters from people like around the world. And it, and, and I mean, like, you know, podcast is one thing because you just log into an internet and download, you know, show. Right. But, like, getting them, like, knowing that, like, our magazine somehow got in the hands of people, like, in other countries. That was, like, really crazy. Yeah, that's insane. I can't imagine. Yeah, that's insane to think about. Like, how it got in their hands or on the shelf or on their newsstand somehow. Yeah, that's uh, that's amazing. That and just, like, yeah, like, some of the times, like, I would hear people, you know, who just the, the weirdest places you would think you wouldn't have people know what game fan was and then like like oh my god i love game fan and you know i i knew you i read your stuff and stuff and it was so yeah it's i think that's one of the, what's one of the fun parts is just getting a chance to have to connect with people in in places and and you know in social circles and whatever else that you would never have a chance to otherwise would you ever get like mail or stuff from like parts of europe or whatever you wouldn't think of like or like russia or like yeah because i'm trying to think of the yeah. one that like i feel like the one of the ones we got was like from eastern europe wow i remember but yeah we got like definitely a, definitely a decent amount i mean enough from international you know places that surprised us now i know jap okay i can't speak uh, correctly tonight i know game fan always had that big japanese influence and stuff would you ever get any letters from uh japan I mean, the funniest one I got, so it wasn't through uh, Game Fan. Yeah, okay. And then things, yeah, there is there's live action Contra in the works in China. China's <laughs> making a live action Contra. Um, the funniest Jap- Japan related one I ever got was it was before Game Fan, and I had that was back when there was EGM and EGM two. Okay. 
and I was doing fanzines and I got one of my fanzines printed in EGM2. And I got this uh, letter from this, this, this girl and she, she was Japanese and she was like, you know, I'm, I'm in America for a little bit. Would you mind sending me a copy of your fanzine? And so I did. And I wrote a letter and then we kind of corresponded back and forth and we talked for, I want to say like a year or so. And I don't remember what it was that kind of got us to not connect anymore. But this was it. This was back when you you would have to write out full proper letters to people, you know. <laughs> so it, it was easier to kind of lose touch. Um, but at a certain point in our back and forth, and she would let me send me these postcards or, and stuff that had these just um, this amazing artwork on it. You know, and she like she knew I liked Fantasy Star, so she did like a, this this picture no of, like, ki- of Alice and stuff like that. Um, and she I don't like, want to put you on the spot, but did you do you have that stuff saved? Yeah, or? I do, I do. Wow, wow! I, I actually put a, a couple of the pictures in one of my my fanzines, and wow. Um, she wrote me one time, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna be uh, working on a game company," and she's like, "Yeah, I'm working on this this new game called Pocket Monsters." No. And I had no idea what Pocket Monsters was. Get out of here. And, you know, 100% serious. And so the only reference I had was, like, remember that old game Monsters in My Pocket? Yeah, yeah, That complete throwaway, like, NES game? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, that sounds cool, you know, having no clue at all. And then, then later realizing, like, oh, shit. Like, I was talking to this girl who went to Game Freak and then helped launch Pocket that's Monsters. A, that's Pokemon, you know. When was your last correspondence uh, with her? It was even when I was a game fan. Uh, so I want to say probably been like 94, 95. Wow. How insane is that? Like the one of the most ins- like hugely successful IPs like f- of all time, like in almost any medium. Like so I mean, like okay, so let's see. When that? did the first game come? <laughs> that was I don't think the U.S. got it till I think so it was Japan. Japan got it Japan? February '96. Yeah. So so um, I was started talking to her when I was still in Omaha before moving to California. So it would have been like '95 or so. That's amazing. That I was talking to her, and then like I said, I mean, like, and th- literally, this was a point where it wasn't even Pokemon yet. Like, right? It's it the was short it was yeah, Pocket that's Monster. Right. That's right. You know, like, I mean, there was there was no, like, it's weird to think about that now, you know, when you go back and it's like that it it, it wasn't, it didn't come out as Pokemon in Japan, you know. Right. It came out as Pocket Monsters. And, and so that's what she said she was working on. And like I said, that name meant nothing to me because that was before anybody knew what Pocket Monsters was. I mean, Pokemon, there was no cartoon, there was no game, there was no anything. So it's, it's just so funny that like I think you think back to that and I'm like, oh my god, I could have just gotten this all this insider information on on what would become one of the biggest gaming franchises ever. Well, I will say that not on this level, and I'll I'll make this quick. Um, I don't know much about like this is going to be a weird change here. I don't know a lot about Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. but I know Twin Peaks has quite the fandom and popularity like it's a cult following and they have the new show that just started on showtime after 20 some odd years and i know all the twin peaks fans are super into it and it does sound like a show that i should be watching or into 
Anyway, it's just funny how things work out because there was a longtime fan of Double Plus Good Games podcast, and I believe this person probably still listens to GVGP, and they have their own gaming podcast, which you've plugged in the past, and they used to do a Twin Peaks podcast, hmm. and it was the person that used to go by Poison underscore for SFXTK, and I believe it's Matt, if I'm not mistaken, Matt Humphrey. Uh, hopefully that person doesn't mind me saying your name. But anyway, yeah, it's just funny how things like that work out because that was years and years ago and they're really hardcore into Twin Peaks and they did a Twin Peaks podcast and I'm assuming it might still be going, but it's funny how that works out because that was a property that people were loyal to and you know didn't have a whole lot of fanfare at the time and now it's like a big thing again. But it's just funny how things in life, you never know yeah. what turn they're going to take or how, you know, for like that, the girl you would talk to about pocket monsters, like you got to look back on that and reflect for her. That's... Could, that's like a life changing or life altering yeah. thing, or even, yeah, even if she's not, even if she's not still there, that's something she can reflect on and be like, "I was a part of the very first title in this groundbreaking, worldwide, literal, you know, phenomenon." No, I mean that that's that's a kind of dream. I mean that, like, I think anybody who goes into any game development, like, that is a dream to them to be able to right. say, "Yeah, I was there working on the first Pokemon game," you know, something like that. You know, like, yeah. Um, you know, or like, you know, I was there in the early days making Minecraft and stuff like that. That's, that's gotta be just like, no matter where your life goes, like that's gotta be like, you're just, like you're saying is just something that you can put on a resume and have it look just really cool. Yeah. She'll, nothing you know, else obvi- than that. Yeah. She'll never forget that. You know, that's, uh, that's unbelievable. Yep. But, uh, well, look, as we close out here, GVGP28, I think it was a fun episode sharing some stories. We love the fan mail. You know, if possible, please send us more fan mail. I always think it's great. Uh, they're great icebreakers. You know, you never know what to expect. Uh, I don't want to put Molly on the spot, but uh, do you know that uh, email address? GVGP at morningproject.com. All right. So GVGP at morningproject.com. And uh, if you're telling friends about us, have him subscribe on iTunes. Check out the website at radio.morningproject.com. Uh, as we close out the third anniversary show, uh, I want to thank Molly once again for taking the time, sticking in there with me, uh, as well as all of our fans uh, from past and present and for what's to come in the future. We want to thank you, and we hope it's many more three-year anniversaries here at GVGP. And until next time, we'll catch you soon. Mm-hmm.